Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. As a mom, vegan of 20 years and entrepreneur, I need a lot of energy. And I turned to Athletic Greens to help me out. Athletic Greens is part of the daily nutrition regimen for thousands of top performers, professional athletes, and health-conscious go-getters worldwide, including USA cycling and endurance athletes. So I knew I would trust them. It's developed from a complex blend of 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients. And it's a comprehensive all-in-one greens powder engineered to fill the nutritional gaps in your diet and support your body's nutritional needs across the four pillars of health, gut health, immune system, energy, and recovery. And these are all things that I'm super interested in. I put a scoop in my smoothie in the morning, and it feels amazing to know that I'm set up to feel my best and sustain my energy all day long. Try for yourself at athleticgreens.com slash lit yoga. That's athleticgreens.com slash lit yoga and get lit up. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Friday with Friends. Today, I'm thrilled to have my dear friend, Hannah Barrett on. Hannah's been on here before, but she is joining me today. And we talked about her new book, her first book, Yoga Happy, what that title means to her and all that the book contains. Hannah did a brilliant job of really assimilating all the different aspects of yoga and her own practice, her own understanding of it her own journey in it, and making it a wonderful toolkit, a guidebook for anyone to feel better and move better and understand a little bit deeper about mindfulness, meditation, yogic philosophy, and how you can bring all those aspects into your own life to find more happiness and fulfillment. I love Hannah. I've never met her. We've been friends for two years She has done over 400 hours of my lit yoga teacher training. She is curious and brilliant and generous, and I'm just so excited to have her here today. So enjoy my talk with my dear friend. Welcome, my dear, dear friend, Hannah. I'm so happy to have you on here again. It's been a while. I know I've had you on before, but today we're coming back and 
as a new phase of our relationship, knowing each other better, having you do the training, and then most importantly, talking about this glorious new book that you've written. So welcome. Oh, thank you so much. I'm delighted to be back on. But also, as you said, like, I feel like our relationship has just bloomed since and it started with your podcast the first time, right? But exactly. I think that was um, two years ago. You know, yeah. it was it was we uh, we have not yet met live, but you're like one of those people I feel like. I know you so well and we've been friends forever and I can't wait to like squeeze your human form. <laughs> Imagine if she found out I was like five foot or something or something really surprising or I was seven foot. You'd be like, what? <laughs> yeah. Well, how tall? You're, you're, you're tall, right? Tallish? I'm, I'm five, I'm five, seven. So yeah. Five, I'm, seven. I'm, I'm okay. Five so yeah. I'm a little taller than you. Sometimes people don't realize how tall I am and I, I feel like a little Amazon next to them, but five, seven will be, oh. will be shoulder to shoulder. <laughs> Well, there's so much that has happened in your life in this last uh, year or two. You've moved out of London. You've had a, sh- a surgery for a shoulder for a benign lipoma, but not knowing if that was. But I would say probably one of the highlights, but also I'm sure it took a lot of time and energy and emotional um, just focus to write this book called Yoga Happy. And I, I want to know what inspired you to write the book? So interestingly, I this wasn't the original book that was kind of being proposed. So we were going out to publishers. I've got an amazing literary agent called Jenny. And so the original idea was actually her idea. And it was more a, um, what's the word? Like my, a more of a memoir. So it was like more my story, what had happened with Emily and much more related to motherhood. So Emily is my daughter who was born premature and was very sick when she was born. And it kind of, it wasn't the start of my yoga journey because I was a teacher before then, but it was like, it kind of really drove my passion to help get people strong and empower people through yoga and all this. But anyway, so that was the original book idea. And then COVID happened while we were like, about so you when you pitch publishers one of the things you can do is put together this big proposal and it was like thousands of words proposal and then covid happened and jenny spoke to me and she said um we can't do this anymore it's not the right it's not the right book for now no one needs any more trauma and actually i was like because it wasn't the book i i i could have definitely written the book it's fine but it just didn't it never quite sat right for me and i always wanted to write this book so then I was like, how about we do this? And then we put this huge proposal. So it was always, you know, yoga's helped me in so many different ways. And I'm sure you'll resonate with this. Obviously, the movement, the movement's a massive part. The movement is what usually draws people in, right? But there are so many quiet practices from yoga that support you through life. And I was like, I just want to put them down. And I want to make them really accessible. Because you can pick up these beautiful yoga books but they can be really overwhelming for people who, you know, don't know as much about yoga. Even me, sometimes I get really overwhelmed reading some of the books and I have to read things a few times to really digest them. So I wanted to try and simplify what was out there and really relate it to today's world. I love that. And, and you did it so successfully. What I think it is, is it's, it has a little bit of a memoir quality, but it has a lot of, it's very much a almost a manual for lack of a better word of how to, yeah, a toolkit of how to feel better in life. And that's why I, I think yoga happy is such a great title. How did you come up with that title? So again, this is, I'm just sharing all my little secrets here. So when, when we 
pitched the publishers, one of the publishers actually, and it wasn't the publisher I went with, came up with a name. And again, I never told people what the name was. I told people I was writing this book because I was like, I can't call it this name because it was something like the healing power of yoga and then blah, blah, blah. And I just have this um, slight bugbear about calling yoga healing like yeah you you get it right because it's not it's not a magic pill and it, you can't so I and so then it got to the stage where I'd handed in the manuscripts and I was like oh by the way publishers like I don't I want to change the name I don't like the name they're like can you please let us know what the new name is and so I, I had this um call with my editor who's amazing she called Imogen and Jenny and we just pitched around different names and that was one of the ones and I was like this is the one simple um, yeah I, well, I love that, especially I'm looking through the book right now, and there was a part that you, uh, the power of your words. I mean, there's so many great chapters, and for anybody who doesn't have this, you really need to get it because there, not only is it a uh, toolkit, there are it's beautiful. It just there's a calming um, aura that really exudes from the book because of. Every, you can tell every detail was thought out so carefully, just the color of the book, the the font, the pictures. But it really, really, you know, like you say, what actually happens when we meditate? You actually talk about it in, you know, um, layman's terms so that it demystifies. I think that's the thing that yoga sometimes is a little bit, I don't want to say intimidating for people, but they just... They either think it's, they put it in a box of like being woo woo or really flexible or where this is really breaking it down. Like, no, this is getting to know yourself. Because we're both scientists, right? In in essence. And so, and I'm sure you're like me in the fact that I love to know why the actual, like the kind of, why, why am I doing this? Like, give me some information and then, and so that's where this comes from basically. Yeah. And you, and you start to talk about the power of positivity, but you don't use those words, which I think is really, you don't use that exactly, but there is something really powerful about observing how we like, so on page 142, you said happiness is a choice, but the way you write about it, you said happiness being a choice can be hard to hear if you're struggling. I've suffered with severe depression in the past and know that just choosing to be happy wouldn't have been a magic fix or even an option at that time. I love that you acknowledge that because a lot of people who are not feeling happy, this idea of like, hey, just start to have happy thoughts and be positive is um, diminishing the reality of what they feel. So tell us about like your perspective of this happiness is a choice. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it is a really important point because I remember being there and like, you know, I would have thrown the book at someone if they just said, you know, just choose to be happy. It's not that. And I also find that, you know, you don't fake it until you make it. That's not the point. But the point is when you're having the, the kind of day where you're struggling to get out of bed, find the things that you are grateful for, the good things surrounding you. For example, if you then do get out of bed, you know, recognize that that was a big step. Like I really didn't want to do this. That was a big step. I did that today. That was, that was an achievement, right? Or, you know, you, you go outside in the sunshine or something like that. You can just pick the little things because in essence, the little things are the big things. And I know lots of people are saying that at the moment, but they really are, you know, happiness isn't a big house and like all the things. Actually, I was listening to a podcast yesterday with Van Cotton and Will Young 
And he was saying that one of the unhappiest moments of his life was when he had this amazing house, like everything was wood. He said it was just glorious. And he was at his most unhappy. It's not about these big material things. It's about really focusing in on, you know, your children running and playing outside together and all the laughs or whatever it is. Like it's finding those small things and then day by day it gets easier and you'll probably go backwards and forwards and there are always bumps in the roads, but trusting that you're going to see the light finally and just finding those small things that make life, I suppose, more bearable. Yes. I think in a way, sometimes we almost need to change the word happy to filled, you know, because when we're unhappy, we feel empty. You know, like he was saying, Will was saying like, you have all this stuff that seems like you would be filled up, but actually feel empty inside because those are not, those are just material things, but inside, the inside stuff is what actually fills you up. The acknowledgement of, yes, the sun on your face, the being able to get out of bed when when you're feeling so rough. And I, I, I've seen this and I know you've seen this and felt it so many times. In terms of thoughts and feelings. Tell, tell us a little bit about, because you dive into the vagus nerve, which I think is, it is such an, you know, it's the wandering nerve, but can you tell us a little bit about what you've discovered about it and how it can impact people and how they should, why they should know about it? Yeah. You actually make me nervous asking that question because I imagine you know way more about it than me. I'm going to start by saying as well, it's also really beautiful. And the only, um, disagreement and this is hilarious the only disagreement me and the editor my editor had Imogen um was I really wanted to put a picture of it in because it's really beautiful like it's this branching nerve that goes everywhere right goes through all our kind of vital organs um but there are lots of things the the vagus nerve is key for our parasympathetic nervous system but I'm learning a bit more about it at the moment so I think it has links to the sympathetic as well but it's all it you have to find ways to and I don't think the right word is activate it but things like you've got breathing meditation obviously will help tap into that parasympathetic nervous system and also cold showers and stimulating your sympathetic nervous system so putting you in that fight or flight but teaching your body then to find calm in those moments which is why cold showers work and cold therapy and everyone raves about it because the point is to put yourself in a stressful situation but to train yourself to be able to cope and to be able to actually bring yourself, bring the stress levels down. Because that's the problem in today's world is that we have the same stress response we had when we were cavemen, where, you know, we were running away from tiger or whatever it was. But we are triggered all the time now and we haven't got a switch. So we need to learn how to bring our body back into balance. I don't think I answered your question completely. No, but. you answered it beautifully. And I think, yeah, this is going to lead into, and, and you said exactly right. I mean, the vagus nerve is um, responsible. It's hugely responsible. I mean, they have, they've researched it. And that's why when we talk about take three big breaths, and that is a, is a nice kind of trigger for the vagus nerve to get that parasympathetic state. So for anybody who's listening, parasympathetic is rest or digest. It's the calming. It's the, it's the, you know, the yin to the yang of the sympathetic nervous system, which we do want. It serves us. It can drive us. But if we don't have this kind of, you know, if we don't have the balance, like Hannah was referencing, you know, we would Back in our more primitive years, we would have a sympathetic nervous system kick in for survival, but then we would have a release of it, like the threat goes away and we calm down. 
And now in this modern day world, we're kind of bombarded with perceived threats. Again, that's our mindset. And we don't have the tools, uh, the training for for our parasympathetic nervous system to just kind of automatically kick in. Can you talk a little bit about how yoga and um, especially the way that you did this in the book, how yoga can be accessible to anyone and how yoga can help not only balance the nervous system, but make you feel more vital and joyful in life? That's a big question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a really big question. I I think it all boils down to connection. And you, I'm so happy for you to disagree, but like yoga teaches us connection and that's absolutely to ourselves. It's connecting with everything, everything in this world. And just, you know, there's, we, we are all one. And so, you know, it, it going back to what you said before, that it can seem intimidating and lots of people are put off because they can't touch their toes or they see someone doing a scorpion back bend and think, oh God, well, I can't do that. I can't do yoga, but actually it's not the point. And yesterday, and I would reference this a lot, and I should start referencing it, but yesterday I taught a chair yoga session for corporates, and I love doing it because it always reminds me, you don't even need to be able to stand up to do like the physical practice of yoga. You can do the whole thing seated. And one of the things I wanted to try and get across in Yoga Happy were there are some more complicated postures in there, but this is how you can modify them for your body because what's right for you is maybe not right for me, is not right for someone who's never done yoga before. Like we have to we have to be mindful of that. We can't just say black and white, this is how you must do it. So yeah, does that answer your big question? Yes, I think that's great. And and like you said, connection. I think this is a fascinating, um, this, this is t- to me as well, like the main thing that separates yoga from other movement practices or other, not necessarily mindfulness practice because mindfulness is going to do the same thing, but it really offers us an opportunity to observe ourselves, observe ourselves in movement, observe ourselves in daily life, observe our actions. And what you also did so skillfully is you interwove the philosophical tenets of yoga with kind of daily practices. Was that your intention from the beginning? I think probably it was. You can't like to really um, talk about yoga. It's hard not to separate those, but the, the observation and the connection to these practices is what really brings us to this yoga happy state. Can you yeah. talk a little bit about, for those uh, uh, that are not familiar, maybe name a couple of your favorite philosophical kind of tenets and how you implement them in your daily life? Yeah, absolutely. So this was never going to be a book of postures, a book of flows and drills and that kind of thing. I was like, has to encompass the philosophy as well. So it kind of the whole book is based on the eight eight limbs of yoga. And for those that don't know, like Ashtanga yoga, they said there were eight limbs. And this were things like the yamas and niyamas, which are basically ethical principles or considerations, ways to live your life. And then you've got, um, God, now I'm going to be tested that I can do them in order. Pranayama, so you've got breathing, you've got asana, so you've got moving, then you've got concentration, you've got meditation, you've got pratyahara so withdraw the senses and then you go up to enlightenment which i could say <laughs> that i was there i think it's always a practice we're always learning so you've got this eight limb path which let's imagine it like a ladder see so the first two rungs of the ladder are the yamas and yamas which are these ethical considerations so you can't ignore them you can't just step to asana and as i say lots of people do and that's okay as in you start there but 
you'll find that it will just seep into your life, whether it's through themes in a yoga class, whether it's just through that connection. And actually, one of the things I was going to say when we were talking about the vagus nerve is I suffered so badly when I was younger from IBS, like years and years of horrendous pain, like horrendous pain. And I was such a stressed child. Like I was such a perfectionist. I had all of these, oh, these traits, which I'm trying to kind of let go of now. Um, and I wish I'd practiced yoga when I was younger. And I'm, I'm so happy that I can teach my children and, and even just the concepts if they don't want to do the movement, just because yoga massively helped my IBS. Like I don't get flare ups. I rarely get flare ups at all. Um, anymore and I think it's because I've learned to balance my nervous system so much better because when we are living in this stress state and our sympathetic state our digestion stops because going back to the idea of the tiger you don't need to be digesting your food your body needs to survive so you run um, and your kind of your energy goes elsewhere in your body which is going to be useful at that moment so if you're living in this sympathetic state then your your body just doesn't work as it should and that can that can manifest in digestive issues um Anyway, back to the yamas and niyamas. Sorry, that was a side point. Um, so you've got ahimsa, which is, you know, everyone always translates as nonviolence. I think you do this as well. Like I like to think of it as love. Did I get that from you? Well, yes, it's it's love. It's because the opposite of not harming is loving, right? And if we can look at every every interaction, every being every moment in our life and making the choice that I would want to, as best as I can, live in harmony and live with that place from, you know, from a place of love yeah. and extending that to everyone, which is not always easy as we know. It's not right? easy. Yeah. Are you, yeah. I always try and practice it for people that, I, you know, have wound me up in some way or something's happened and I'm like, okay, let's, let's go back to Erkinza and but then, so another example is, um, let's use a stay at non-stealing. Um, and I use an example in the book of my son. So my son, me and Jack are, are together and I get a text through that my poor, my like family dog or my, my parents' dog, who I knew really, really well called Millie, she died and it was really sad. And I burst into tears, um, even though I was expecting it, but it was just a big emotion. And so I was telling Jack about it and he's very um, perceptive as Jack, but he's just so sweet in that moment. Like, so non-stealing obviously can be don't steal someone else's things like physical things but it's also moments and that moment like he was just with me he gave me a cuddle he listened to me he asked for stories about Millie the dog and stuff and it was just a really beautiful moment and it made me think of us there because he was like he wasn't stealing my moment he wasn't trying to make me feel better he was like admitting with me that it was sad that we were going through this sad thing and then he was asking questions and being there with me and it was just it was um it was really, it was just a really funny oh. moment to remember, but it was really beautiful. Oh, that's so, I just got the chills. It's so <laughs> interesting how we can learn so much from children. Yeah. You know, my daughter has similarly, when she's been telling me a story and my mama gut instinct is to help problem solve. And I remember she was about, she was in seventh grade and she was telling me about a situation where somebody wasn't nice to her. And I was trying to say, well, you know, but that person her parents are getting divorced and think about how that must be, must really hurt her and hurt people tend to hurt. And she said, mom, I don't need your yoga talk right now. And I was like, it just hit me. I was like, I was stealing 
from her, all she wanted was to process and release it. And for me just to sit there and listen, which I do a lot, but boy, from that moment on, I just remembered, don't try and solve things. Just like you were saying, you don't, like if somebody's in pain, it's so human. We're so uncomfortable. We want to try to make it better. And we say kind of stupid shit all the time. Like, you know, oh, the universe has works in mis- whatever. Yeah. Like if somebody's dog dies or, you know, parents dies or whatever, there's some kind of tragedy. We're so uncomfortable. And yet to just be like the child and just be there. Yeah. It's, it's, not, it's a, it's a, it's such a gift. It's, uh, Going back to your story though, with your daughter, you told me this the other day. And one of the things I said to you, and I want to put out there on the podcast as well, is that, um, it's such a beautiful story, not because of your release, not just because of your realization, but also because you've obviously taught her all of these techniques. So she knew that she didn't need you to say that, which I just think is really wonderful as well. But what yeah, is so wonderful, is. What, yeah. and then this kind of links in what's so wonderful about the yamas and yamas and all these like 10 principles, which you can totally break down and totally make relevant to today's world is that um, they're like seeds or ripples or whatever you want, how you want to call it. So the more that you practice these things, the more you're sowing these seeds out there for other people to then follow your lead. So it's not about like preaching, you know, you must do this. It's like, and, and people always say this, um, having children, don't they? Like children do what you do, not say what you do, what you say. And you've, you've just got to show people, you've just got to do the best that you can. And it's going to have this ripple effect and other people are going to follow suit. I agree. And another one I'd love to talk about um, of the yamas is Savariyaya, uh, which is this concept of uh, self-study. And I think this really gets back into the whole kind of idea of yoga happy, because I would love to know how you think uh, yoga helps you self-study. And then we could talk about it a little bit, but I want to hear from you first. Okay. And then I want to hear your view as well. So <laughs> for me, Svadigoya, a big part is actually there's lots of, there are lots of bits. Um, let me try and get them done in a nutshell. Journaling, journaling massively helped me just to understanding myself, jotting down my thoughts. Um, I suppose befriending myself, which sounds really cliche, but like, I think you've got to really learn to love yourself. Um, and then, you know, self-study on the yoga mat, really, really learning to not ignore like I, I was using an example when I had IBS, like I was ignoring that I was so stressed. I didn't recognize it at all. Whereas now, like if I get on the yoga mat, I really kind of take a moment to breathe and just notice like, what do I actually need? Not, you know, I'm not going to force my, cause I'm, I'm still recovering from the shoulder injury at the moment. So I have to be so careful. Like, do I need to do some kind of like vinyasa power sequence or actually do I need more restorative right now or a combination in between? Um, but then also self-study goes more than this because it's like studying the, the, the books of yoga that, you know, you've got the Bhagavad Gita or going back to the sutras and stuff like that and not forgetting or not reading one of those books, you know, maybe years ago and you read it and you didn't like, like always going back and thinking, what else can I learn? Like, how else can I progress? So that's me. Tell me. I you. love that. For me, it's less literal. It's really the, um, the, the, my desire is to connect more and more moments where I am really in that moment and observing myself in it and how I'm 
either by myself or interacting with others. Um, it's almost like a kind of like a hovering third Laura, just like, how do you, like, how are you speaking to yourself? Of course, that's a big one. I mean, I've been working with a lot of clients lately who have just incredible stress response overload. Um, I have, I've, I've never had so many chronic pain, complex syndrome patients, which is a very, uh, very tricky diagnosis, um, at one time. And I, I attribute it to the incredible amount of stress. And what I'm encouraging them is like, observe when you start to go down this path of negativity. So this goes back to the yoga happy. It's not, you're, you're saying things aren't bad. It's that you know, they're not great. You know, you're on, you know, you're not living the way you want to be. But if you stay in that lane, if you stay in those thoughts, you just hardwire them more. Mm-hmm. And so the self-study allows you to say, you know, I'm feeling really crappy today. Okay, well, what what is possible that I can just not be in this headspace and feel a little bit better? I don't have to get to happiness. I don't have to get to like, I want to go and hug people. I just want to yeah. get out of this. And like you said, journaling is great. For me, moving my body is very effective because it has been... St- I can't even remember the last time I thought of movement as performative. It is informative. It is really studying. You know, it's like you said, what do I need today? It's not about like the outcome. It's like the moment to moment. So for me, I think we're so over um, loaded with distractions that if we can string together more moments where we're actually studying ourselves in the moment, um, then we're getting somewhere. And that's where I think we we really do transform the way we not only operate, but the way we think. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love the third person, like, is in watching yourself from above. Like, that's such a, that's, do you know what? Yeah, I was having an argument. I was having an argument with my husband. We had not had a fight in so long. It was crazy. (laughs) We're in this, like, you know, we'll be married 21 years and we're just like, you know, one kid is out of the house. The other, the other kid is so independent. And I will, I will say, and I'm, you might agree like children in a, in a relationship tend to be one of the biggest, um, kind of triggers for, for, for just disagreements. And, and, um, because we just, that's when our own inner child comes out, how yeah. we perceive something. And we're two different people with two inner child. So our, that's, we're going to have some disagreements. So this was not about a child thing. It was about something else. And I, we had just not argued in forever. And I was just watching myself. And I was like, you are acting like such a five-year-old. I remember thinking that to myself. I'm like, don't say it. Don't let that word come. Don't let that phrase come out. Just stop it there. But there was like my five-year-old self was like, just say it, you know? And it was just like, it was really like a third person. I was like, I was not my best self. And I was just observing it. And that's the thing too, is you're not going to be perfect. And you know, and we just like, it was, and we laughed about it later. I was like, man, I was just such a child in that moment. And I'm really sorry, you know? And so I think that's the more we're trained to do it, the more we can also kind of catch ourselves in our not best behavior and acknowledge it. You know, I think yeah. we're not going to be at all perfect. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yes. I love the whole perfect, perfect thing. And actually I make a point when I film my classes for my app, 
um, of trying to leave in the bloopers now when I fall out of things because I'm like, guys, I'm human, you know, because it's it helps, doesn't it? But what you say about you know just turning around and saying sorry, I do this to my kids all the time if they're driving me bananas. Um, like school run is always the one when shoes like where are one socks here and one socks nowhere to be found. And, you know, I, I start to get angry and sometimes I shout at them. And then in the car, like, I'll always make it a point to just go, guys, I'm really sorry. I should not have shouted at you. Mommy was feeling really stressed. Let's figure out how we can do this better. Like, what can we do tomorrow that, where we're not going to lose, you know, lose our socks in the last minute? So, but I think it is really important because otherwise you just grow up with thinking that everything has to be perfect. And I think perfectionism is a, is a, is a really tricky one. It's really quite evil. I mean, because nobody wins, you know, with perfectionism because you're never satisfied with yourself and then you're also never satisfied with others. Yeah. And it's it's just, um, yeah, there's a lot of recovering perfectionists out there. So do you have your book in front of you? Yeah. I would love to. You've seen your name in it, by the way. Yes, I did. I love it. I love it. She, she um, Hannah mentions me. Um, would you mind reading a little bit about, like from your... Um, from the very beginning, uh, when you start off with the let's begin, I would love for you just to read a bit, maybe on that first page, so people can start to hear about what you're, you're leading them into. Oh my God, I've, ne- I've never done this before. I've never read my book. You have a loud. beautiful voice. Okay. Oh, this is it. I love it. Ah. This is the moment. What do you literally want me to start from the beginning? On the podcast, yes. <laughs> you want me to start from the beginning? Yes. Okay. Stop me. In case I'm like, get on. No, yeah, I, just, I would really to. love for you to read that page eight, That's the page. first page. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So 10 years ago, I never would have believed I'd be sitting here writing a book on how yoga can transform your life and give you the strength and resilience to weather life's fluctuations. I do know, however, that a part of me would have felt very excited because in some way, I've always wanted to find the thing in life that would transform me. I knew exercise was key. I went to the gym religiously and was extremely strong on the outside. But what I lacked was strength on the inside, a sense of knowing who I truly was and trusting that person. I lacked being able to feel the extreme comfort in my own company and knowing that when things went as wrong as they possibly could, that I would be okay, that I was mentally strong enough to be okay. Then early one morning, something happened that turned my life upside down. When I woke, 35 weeks pregnant, I had no idea that the events over the next few days and weeks would send me spiraling down a path of physical, emotional, and mental trauma, that the months ahead would be some of my hardest and darkest I had ever known. But in that darkness, my life's purpose would emerge, and in time, I would find happiness and contentment like I'd never experienced before. I'm going to stop there. Oh, I want to cry. I love that. So this is <laughs> Do you how know what? it's so funny though, because it really yeah. brings up my, I can feel it. I, I, I was going to say, I, w- I thought about when I was going to ask you to read this, I was like, I I didn't think, I hope you'll be okay with that. Cause I knew you would, but I felt like, cause I know when I read something about my dad, even, even though yes, it's years later, uh, it's, it comes up. It's just so, it shows you how memories, visceral feelings are, are there. They're wired. Stored wor- in body. Yeah. They're yeah. stored. But it's such a, I, what I love about it, it's such a beautiful, personal and intimate um, beginning, an invitation to show like the humanness of you. You're gorgeous and you, you're so accomplished. And this, this humanness of, of how you came to the place you are now 
And I just, I love this book so much. It is just, uh, I I keep it by my bedside. And so So do you know what? So many people keep saying that to me. I'm like, that's so sweet. I'm by people's bedside. It is. It's it's just, it's beautiful. Yeah. Sorry. I was just going to bust in and say, um, link to a point that you said earlier, because I, you know, part of me was like, do I share my story? Because, you know, I'm, I'm really mindful that uh, my, you know, my trauma, what happened with Emily, the, that, that situation, she was okay. We got through that and she's amazing now. She's a, you know, but so many people don't. And, but it, but it actually all goes back to whatever your story is, there's always going to be someone that has a worse story than you, but it doesn't invalidate your story and what you felt and how much of a struggle it was. And, you know, I've got, I've got friends who have found motherhood really difficult. I think, I think all of us find motherhood quite, quite difficult and parenthood in general difficult, but like have found it really difficult, but there hasn't been a big thing. Like they, their child hasn't had issues or whatever it was, but I feel like you don't need to have a thing. You don't need an excuse to feel how you feel. And knowing that can be quite freeing. So I hope, I hope that helps some people that are listening. Your, you know, your story is valid, whatever it is. Exactly. And this just goes back to yoga. Yoga is not about comparison. You know, everybody's journey is different, whether it's the physical practice or mind. That's why I was always like slightly offended when people would say that this type of yoga is better than this type. And I'd say, you know, everybody's experience is going to be different. And if somebody gets way more out of sitting for 20 minutes and really focusing on their breath than they do out of 20 minutes of movement, who am I to say that one is better than the other? And so I think, again, the, the, the purpose of this all is to make us feel calmer, happier, more full, and more connected. And we yeah. are connected when we see the humanness in each other. We yeah. don't have to have had the same struggle to know, to understand and, and empathize with someone else's struggle. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, well, this is beautiful. My friend, I'm so, I'm just so, and like, I just want to say a huge congratulations because I know this is like birthing another child and (laughs) I, I, you've just done a fabulous job making it um, so open and, and, and inviting to anyone. So if you're listening Most people that are on this podcast probably have some interest in yoga, but buy this for a friend who hasn't gotten really into yoga and and might not understand what yoga is about, because this is like a great guidebook to just demystifying and making it for anyone. So I highly recommend this to non-yogis, like give it as a gift. It would be beautiful. Where can they find this, Hannah? I know you can find it on Amazon, but anywhere else you want to point us to? Yeah, it's it's everywhere. I'm not 100% in the um, sure about the US, but it's it's published with a big publisher there, so it must be in lots of places here in the UK. Get it from everywhere, like Waterstones, um, Anthropology, like the, the the list. Derek Smith, you know, the list is big. It's also been published in the Australia as well, um, so Aussie people can probably get it from everywhere. If you're not based there, it's coming out very soon in um, Swedish, which I'm really excited about. I should get it soon i think oh. i've seen it so it's coming out in um it's being published in swedish in sweden so that was, that's awesome um but otherwise it can be shipped anywhere amazing well this was this was a treasure as always i love you and i'm 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 just like pulling for the pulling for you in the biggest way that everybody gets a, a little 
a little handful of Hannah in their lives. (laughs) (laughs) So sweet. Thank you so much for having me on. Like, thank you. It means the world that you loved it. Yes. And tell us uh, anything more where people can find you besides the book. Yes. Okay, cool. So hannahbarrettyoga.com, everything is there. I have my own app, which has lots of lit inspired stuff in. Obviously, Lara train, you know, I did, I've gone through 400 hours with you now over the 200 hours I had already and all the other trainings I've got. Um, and it's just a collection of um, loads of different classes, lots of strength stuff on there, prenatal, postnatal, you know, and then you've got other restorative practices as well. It's and I'm beautiful. about to release a meditation series as well, because I feel like we all need a little bit of that in our lives. Um, mm. Yeah, that's, that's me. And on Instagram. Oh, Instagram, Hannah Barrett Yoga. Just, just type <laughs> in Hannah Barrett Yoga, you'll find Yeah, exactly. Me. You'll find it. Well, thank you so much. And for everybody listening, go get a copy of Yoga Happy so we can all be a little happier and more filled in our lives um, and just connect to each other. Oh, thank you, love. Thank you. As always, I'm pulling for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.